Welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie. We are back recording live on this Wednesday night, January 11th, 2023. We'll be talking all things AFL Fantasy Defenders, arguably one of the toughest lines this year. But with me to talk through all of our defensive options, as always, is the Pod Pod crew, Louis, Stato, and Holmesy. First up, Holmesy, let's address the elephant in the room here. Fantasy opened. It's it's open now, lads. It is opened up just a few days ago, but within 45 minutes, they declared the winner. Dossie had already won the Hilux. Kyle... You disagree with this statement? Hey, Dossie. Nah, it's good to be here. Looking forward to talking defenders, one of the the tougher lines that I've seen so far in in terms of finding some nice value players. But yeah, it is unfortunate that you've already seemed to have won the comp. You know, I'm looking forward to coming second this year, but congratulations on the win. And yeah, might see you in 2024. It doesn't seem like there's much point playing this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hopefully people still do listen along to the podcast and, you know, just pick a team for fun because that's all they will be playing for this year. But yeah, it's, it's, it is nice to get the dubs early. Louis, have you been playing around with the game? It's, I'm sure you've a uh, lot of work done out on the site or a bit of a scrolling on the, on the website. Yeah, it's been a uh, first week back at work. So it's been a little bit flat out, which um, maybe is a good thing because it has distracted me from playing around too much. But um, when the game does open finally, I mean, I know we all have our spreadsheets and our notes and all that. When the game does finally open, it does start to feel real and it's it's pretty good fun to start putting together a team and, um, yeah, start turning it upside down and uh, figuring out what sort of sort of uh, structures you can have for the upcoming season and really just um, doing whatever you like with it up until February when we have some actual data to go off of with those preseason games. That's it. And a a man that desperately, desperately needs to get in as much research as he possibly can at this time of year, toying around with his team, playing around with it just to try and crack into that, I don't know, top 10,000. I mean, that's probably the stands we set from these days. But Stato, have you been enjoying messing around with your team? No, I haven't, Dossie. Um, The uh, AFL Fantasy group have decided I'm too, too old and deactivated my account, unfortunately. Um, and I think part of it is natural justice that uh, if I can't defeat you, I shouldn't be playing. This is true. This is true. There was some rumours that Supercoach and Real Dream Team also reached out, said, look, we can't have you plan that game because it will take us away from the hours and hours you do spend on those games now because you know you have no chance in fantasy. <laughs> All right, folks, we are going to get on to our talking about defenders. The way we're going to do it, We're going to just pick a couple of defenders ourselves and then we're going to throw it to the listeners who have sent in their requests and we're going to go through as much as we, as many as we can. We should get through all of them. Um, We put it out there on Twitter at PodPodAFL. If you're not following us on there, jump on board this preseason. We'll be putting out our requests for the next few weeks as we go through each of the different positions. But before we get going, I do want to let you know, as always, this episode of the PodPod is brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. So that's the website, keeperleaguepod.com. It's not just for your keeper leagues, though. Their website has a ton of resources to help with your classic teams this preseason. And when the season goes too, because they get the CBAs, kick-in trends, your draft day fantasy analysis, and, and all stuff for drafts as well. So I know uh, Hef, who is over at the Keeper League, you probably know him and you love him as well. And he's put out a Excel spreadsheet today with your 
the best Excel spreadsheet going around for drafts. So hit that up. Go there and use the code PODPOD if you're going to become a member at sign up for 20% off. So get that link in the podcast description and up your game this preseason. Let's start the pod though. Two defenders each. Let's kick that off before we get to all the requests that we have. And let's start with Holmesy. Who's your first defender you want to talk about? Yeah, boys, I thought I'd kick us off. So I'm going to start with Angus Brayshaw. And one of the reasons that I'm keen to talk about him today, I know Stato's been on the record on the Draft Doctors and, and Louis Keane as well as Angus Brayshaw being someone that we should heavily consider for our fantasy squads. But I'm here to play a little bit of devil's advocate today. So we've got Angus Brayshaw. It's well documented that he moved into the midfield late in the season. So I, I believe it was in a round 20 just after he signed his big contract. Um, he went into the midfield for the last six games of the season. Um, he averaged 106 for the four games in the regular season, um, which um, priced at 99, you would think that there's actually a little bit of upside there. But if we look a little bit deeper into the stats, um, we're going to include the two finals games because they were real games of football that were played. Um, he scored a 66 and an 88, which actually brings his average down to 96. So I've been doing a little bit of research around this and I say I have, but uh, a good mate of mine, John Hayne, in a group chat. So we've been looking at um, the the scores that the midfielders score in each team. We looked at the last two years and we looked at the averages from the M1 to M3. You get the elite teams like Melbourne, Brisbane, the Dogs, they average sort of that 103 mark between your top three midfielders. And then it sort of goes down towards the, the mid-90s to early 90s for some of your uh, lower teams. And I believe that if Angus Brayshaw isn't in the M1 to M3, I can't see him averaging over 100. And what we know is that his move into the midfield coincided with Petrarca moving forward. Um, so if we see that continuing, there is a world where he's able to push into the 100s. But if he ends up being that M4 behind Oliver, Petrarca and Viney, which there's a world, um, I find it very hard and I think he's probably going to average in the mid-90s. But Stato, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I like Brayshaw and, and have done all pre-season so far. Um, I will say the, the main reason for that is the fact you've got a defender uh, who's playing in the midfield, so therefore he's got those ceiling scores. Um, I, I don't really take too much into finals because it is different footy. Uh, and it is obviously generally different opposition, um, and the way they go about it is slightly different. So um, I, I don't get caught up too much in that, but, look, I have been known in previous years, and you only have to look at last season with uh, um, big Taz Thomas, um, that you can get caught up a little bit on how the season ends compared to what it is. So you have to see what his health and fitness is actually like. But if I see him as... Uh, a full-time inside mid, I'm definitely very keen being under that uh, 100 average um, to look at a D1 because right now, even though I understand the benefits of doing so, I don't really want to pay that uh, that extra coin for Doherty at this stage as a starting squad because I just don't see the upside. Yeah, I, I suppose my point is if you've got Clary Oliver going 110, which I'm sure we all agree he'll be around that mark. Um, you've got yep. Petrarca, who when he's a full-time midfielder, he's that 105 to 110 as well. And then Viney's just that mainstay in the midfield. Yeah, he doesn't get massive fantasy scores, but he's 
he eats up that sort of 70% CBAs and there's only so much ball to go around. So, if I see Petrarca, if I see him getting that sort of 50 to uh, 40 to 50% CBAs like he did towards the back end of the year and they're playing him more mid-forward, I think Angus Brayshaw is a, a serious option. But if Petrarca's back in there and you only see Brayshaw getting that sort of 40 to 50% mark, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit wary. Yeah, it's we massive- are guessing... We are guessing, sorry, Louis, um, right. we are guessing at, at this stage of the year. The the thing I look on the football side for the Melbourne Football Club is they struggle forward and Petrarca can be the one that puts the scoreboard pressure on. He is a player that, if he does have the role, though, could quickly get away from us to start the season. So um, I, I think back to a couple of years ago, I think it was, well, it was Josh Dunkley. I can't remember what year it was, but... Um, there were quite a few people on the fence. He ended up being about 25% owned and then just absolutely started like a house on fire and it took six weeks for some coaches to be able to get him in and by then he was already behind the pack. So, uh, yeah, he's one of those players with that frightening ceiling could really bite you, but I think the points you make are really valid, um, Kyle, yeah. and he might struggle if he is the fourth midfielder. All right, I think I don't have too much more to add on that. Gussie Brayshaw was in my team last year. Yeah, enjoyed the run, and I think it's just a, a strong preseason watch for all of us here. Um, but Holmesy's just just putting up that warning flag. Just beware and, and make sure he's in that solid role. Would it just take a, a you know Amy series game for you, Holmesy, to see see he's in that role and you'll be you'll be fit and fire and keen to pick him yourself? Oh, if I yeah, if I see it in that that one preseason game, that's going to be a pretty good indication of how Melbourne plan to line up. The one thing I am wary of, and we didn't mention this off the top, but he's actually been in the rehab group and he's not currently training with the full squad either. So he's going to be coming off lim- a limited preseason, which can make it hard to pick him to begin with anyway. And that's more yeah, of right. a concern for me. couple red flags to keep an eye on, but also on the watch list for everyone as well by the sounds. Louis, take us through a player you want to talk about. Yeah, m- defensive mine one. is one that uh, Stato mentioned just before, and that's Sam Doherty. Uh, He really doesn't need an introduction. Pretty much since he uh, made his debut, he's been a bit of a fantasy stud. Uh, Had those two years out the game, came back uh, and pretty much just picked up where he left off. Um, 2021, obviously had the 98 average and then 2022 backed it up again, right up to 110. Um, But you break it down and like this guy was just Mr. Reliable, Mr. Consistent all year. So 110 average, seven games over 120, 12 over 110. Uh, His two lowest scores were 71 and 79 and then it jumps back up to 95. So he's also a guy that doesn't burn you on that other end Uh, and post the buy 115 average. So I understand this is uh, low-hanging fruit, um, but I'll tell you why I really like him. It's because, firstly, he's a VC option at um, playing for Carlton because they obviously get the early games in the fixture. Uh, He's a leader with a defined role in the actual team. Uh, I know there's been a bit of talk that he might play midfield uh, with no Walsh, which would be fantastic because I think he went on a tear at the end of last year when he did that uh, with the 137 in the last round. Absolute mark merchant, high kick to handball ratio. But the biggest point for me is that I think uh, potentially uh, he, will, he will be the top defender and I think potentially that'll be by 10 plus points, which for that reason, I think he might be a good starting candidate just because he's so much better than the field uh, that you could potentially put on you know, 40, 50, 60 points uh, each week. 
uh, just based on whoever um, other coaches pick. I love the theory, honestly. Of um, I think Bo- you've you've mentioned him uh, in one of our earlier pods, like a few weeks ago, when you were just you know the- theorizing about what sort of strategies might work this season and looking at that defensive line, how challenging it challenging it is, and identifying Doc as that player that maybe we can just set and forget as our D one. Oh, I kind of love it. <laughs> like I've just, I've been looking at a few iterations of my team. There's just so much value around, but I'm interested in the. Guys with some credentials weighing in on this. Holmesy, your thoughts on Doc? Mate, I, I'm actually a big fan. I think we all get caught up in the preseason of value, value, value because that's what a few of the big coaches, the successful coaches in the community preach. But we can get caught up in thinking that everyone's got value. We, we still need to lock away a few of these keepers that are the genuine gun scorers and Louis, right, I can see a world where he comes out, he's priced at 110, but if he goes 115 plus for the first six rounds, then he is value, isn't he? And he's clearly the best defender. So, he's definitely someone I'm considering. Yes, it's a high price tag, but he's a he's an absolute gun. Yeah, nice. And, and that's all we'll touch on because you're the only bloke with credentials these days. Uh, Stato, no longer a man with the credentials. I, I actually hadn't thought about the uh, Walsh out being a... Being a um a doc a doc thing though, which that's a really good call as well. Um, last two games, just to clarify, seventy five percent of the centre bounce attendances, and then eighty eight percent in his last couple there. So, yeah, that's a good watch, and that's a good call, Lou. Uh, Stato, who do you want to talk about, mate? I want to talk about a a Ron Hall. So uh, a a Ron is actually discounted from uh, what his ceiling could possibly be and we're talking about 20 points so he's priced at 90 um what i'm debating internally is this worth the risk so we heard Holmesy talk about um the first six rounds if he's averaging 110 in the first um six rounds then he's escaped us and you don't get that benefit yes there's the risk with the body we know this but the last three games, he uh, averaged 109.7. Um, and we know he can do this. We know what his ceiling is. And currently, he's training as that extra in defence, so the, the main ball carrier out of defence. If that ends up being his role and he is fit going into the season, as much as it pains me to say it, I'm considering him for a flying start. Wowee. Lou, thoughts? Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, Each year that goes by, you do worry about Aaron Hall because his body has never really stood up. But um, Stato's right. This is a guy who has shown the ability to just go 110 after 110 after 110. Uh, He's got a really cruisy role. If that role continues, then uh, it really lends itself to high fantasy scoring because, let's be honest, the ball is going to spend a decent amount of time back there as well as those kick-ins from behinds of the opposition. So um, I I don't mind it. I think that perhaps Clarko might be um, heading in a new direction and that's where we might see him digress. But it's a matter of how many points that is by. And if he does go 105 plus, then uh, he's certainly value. It's going to take a gutsy coach to win the comp. It always does. And these are the type of moves that that help you win. And I just think at this point in the preseason, uh, being the 11th of January, it's a pretty, uh, it's a no-brainer that you're considering it. If he gets injured or he does a soft tissue injury at any point in the preseason, 
just abort mission, just completely take him off your watch list. But if you don't hear anything and he gets a clean run into round one, um, he's someone that I will just not overthink and, and heavily consider. Jeez, some solid options already from the lads here. Hall's been one that I've kind of, I think just due to the being butt hurt from a few injuries in the last couple of years, I've kind of <laughs> put him off my radar. But yeah, bringing back those stats, you just remember how good his ceiling can be. Um, my number one choice that I just want to talk about today is just a guy where when I did fire up my um, Hilux winning team, I think he did make his way into the first draft. So, I mean, regardless of the draft, it is the Hilux winning team. But um, on that first draft, James Sicily made his way in. And and you might think, Dossie, it's not 2022 anymore. He doesn't come with a discount. It, it's, a new, it's a new season. It's a new game. He's now priced at what he averaged last year, which was around the 96 mark, I think. Uh, I don't have his price up at the moment, which I should have done first. But look, he came... Like, do people remember that was his first season back after coming back from an ACL? So he's 854K, averaged 96 off his first year back. I do remember he did take a more of an extended time off than than most people take with the ACL. Like, he took more of that sort of year and a half rather than the 12 months. But still, I, I see some just general improvement in terms of just his body's feeling better coming into year two. But not only that, I feel like he's going to become more of a presence in their team. They've got two veteran leaders leading, leaving the team. Yes, they play different positions, but I just feel like it's one to watch as well in terms of they're probably just going to look to Sicily more to be the guy that they look to in that back line. He averaged 8.6 marks per game last year. That's insane, but he, I feel like he can still... Um, lift his game to a new level. He only averaged 24 touches, which I feel like that can lift again. We saw him come home with a massive game in the last round. Yes, the Dogs were a very easy team to play against last year. But something about this season with how tough our defensive lines is are this year, the Hawks, we we generally think are going to be pretty, pretty bad this year. And he's going to be in that back line. What do you guys think on Sicily to just be that steady hand in our back lines, even though he's priced at, you know, 854K? Holmesy, do you want to take this one? Yeah, Dossie, it's, I don't mind it. I just, and I'm not making a direct comparison here, but do you remember Jordan Ridley a couple of years ago when everyone was was keen on a Jordan Jordan Ridley breakout? He's, he's kind of in that same mold where he kind of needs everything to fall his way, like, to, to not be accountable, to just have a game where he could roam and be free. But he's their, he's their best player. He's their best defender. And there's just going to be times where he has to lock down and take the opposition's best forward. And I just I, I see that as, as capping his ceiling a little bit. So I think he'll be around that 96 mark. I think he'll, be, again, I, I can't see him improving too much. And he's going to be around the top six defenders come year end. But I'm just not sure there's going to be massive upside because... Yeah, he's just going to have to play some accountable roles every now and again, which which means he's not going to be hunting the footy as much. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me and probably why um, in draft version number two and after hearing some of Louis's thoughts about about who's, you know, about Sam Doherty before probably makes me sway towards maybe just paying a little bit extra for a guy that even could have some upside at his ridiculous starting price than someone who, like you're saying, Holmes, he may just hover around the same. But I don't know, I do see some upside there and uh, I just thought I'd mention him because 
Yeah, I hadn't kind of considered him before coming into the season and, and he was kind of on my radar now given the Hawks changes and, and potentially maybe going a more mark heavy game plan. I think they had pretty they were pretty down in the league last year, thirteenth overall for Mark. So if they do decide to chip it around a bit more, Sicily could get involved. Uh Holmesy, do you want to take us through your second player you want to talk about? Yep, so I'll keep the Melbourne flavour going and we're gonna talk about Christian Salem. Okay, so Christian Salem comes in heavily discounted because of an injury-affected year. So, he comes in priced um, at about 73, 74. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head. And these are his averages from 2017. So, he went 85, 79, and then he went 89, 89, 93, and then last year, 74. Okay. So, if we we play it safe, he's, he's generally that sort of 89 guy. If he averaged 89, that's going to put him as about the 14th averaging defender for the year once we've lost um, a few of the guys we lost this year. So, he's that mid-priced option that's underpriced due to injury. And if he gets back to, to what he's done in the past, he's going to be a, a pretty decent option for us and our fantasy squads. His career high of 92, that would be fantastic. You'd probably need him to go... 90 plus from his price point to be close enough to the top six defenders. I don't think an 85 average is going to cut it. So, if you think, you know, with Brayshaw going into the midfield and, and Salem being the main distributor back there and he can get back to that 89, 90 average or maybe even more, um, I think he's going to be a very decent option. I know you're pretty keen on him, Louis. What can you see him going this year? Yeah, I see him as a 90 plus guy just regularly. Uh, that move of Brayshaw into the midfield could mean five to 10 points upside, which um, coming in what he's priced at just presents unbelievable value. Uh, I'm a big Christian Salem fan anyway. He has gone on stretches where he has been able to tear up and, and average over the ton over a stretch of games. Um, certainly when they do use him as the main ball user as well, um, he just seems to rack up that many marks and kicks that, um, yeah, he makes 100 look easy in previous seasons. Uh, I think even though it was unfortunately got injured in round one last year, it might be a bit of a gift for us this year because uh, with some uncertainty uncertainty in that defence, I think Christian Salem makes for a, a pretty uh, easy pick uh, pre-season pending. Yeah, I was going to mention that as well. We know how hard it is for players to come back off long-term injuries and he had a pretty serious knee injury in round one. So, that not only does that injured game drop his price, but um, fitness and, and health coming back in later on in the season, you're always chasing your tail. So, clearly, he's not going to be 74 again. But he did just – he showed a pretty serious flaw last year, a, a score in the 40s and the 50s. So, if he comes out with a couple of those in the first sort of six rounds, you, you're in a bit of trouble. But he does open with the Bulldogs in round one, and we know what defenders do against the Bulldogs. So, you should get off to a ripping start at least. All right, another player to consider in that mid-price bracket. Um, Stato, do you want to take us through your next player? Yeah, I'm going for a bit of a roughie here. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look for a bit of gold in defence, and I, I must admit it's a bit thin at the moment. I think we'll understand uh, a few more options once we get to that sort of pre-season games and understand if there's any role changes that might benefit scoring. Um, but I'm going a player that's been talked about for a long time but hasn't really delivered. Um, I'm pretty hot on him in draft. So I'm keeping an eye on him to see whether he should be up for salary cap consideration. And that's Liam Duggan. So he had an average of 83.5 last year. But it was the back end of the year 
um, that he really started to dominate. Now, doing the draft kit for, for um, uh, the West Coast Eagles list um, this year um, was actually a really interesting exercise. And they've really got some concerns, especially in that midfield. They need to regenerate. I don't know exactly where that's coming from, um, but this man can score whether he actually gets midfield time or, or he's sitting on that halfback flank, uh, flank as the distributor. His last five games in the home and away season last year, he averaged 106.6. He had a slow interrupted pre-season, so I think his scoring was slow uh, to start with, but he certainly finished off very well. So I've got that big question in my head. Is this the pod um, that is a top six defender that we're actually looking for? Because we're all looking for that value, and I'm trying to search where that is. Most others we're looking at comes with risk, and we'll deal with a few of those through the listener request. But Liam Duggan's one I'm keeping an eye on. Did that 106 average data, did that come from um, being used through the midfield? Um, it was mainly on the halfback flank. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I can speak to that. Um, I watched a fair bit of the Weagles like, late last year when he was having this run, and honestly, it became just a possession game between him and Shannon Hearn. They were just chipping it back and forth between the two. I think even Bar- Barras got involved in a bit, and all three of these guys were just roaming around the back line. They really went chip heavy. Um, in the last kind of five weeks and, and sort of changed that up. And they weren't using guys like your Withertons and that as well during that stretch. Um, Holmesy, you've got something to add as well? Yeah, I, th- I think you've nailed it, Dossie. It, with these teams that are down the bottom of the ladder that are just trying to get through to the to the end of the season, I think Shannon Hearn went at 107 as well. Like they're just trying to get through to the end of the year, make sure that they're not getting injured and whatnot. So they, they sort of chip around. And I think that's where you kind of just ignore those back-end numbers because – I, don't, I can't see, you know, Liam Duggan, Shannon Hearn coming out and averaging 105 to start the year where, you know, everyone everyone thinks they're a chance at winning the flag at the start of the year. The footy's different to the back end of the season. So he's not one I would be considering. But Stato, you are right. If he goes into the midfield, then that changes everything again. West Coast got to be up there with Hawthorne for one of the more interesting teams to watch this preseason, I think, because there's just no way that, especially for West Coast, they can... Uh, continue doing what they did this year and uh, they've got to turn over a bit of the old heads and bring in the youth. So what that means position-wise, uh, we'll see, but um, it should be pretty interesting and uh, I could see Liam Duggan being top six defender easily if the cards fall his way. What I will say, Duggan is always a name brought up in preseason and it seems like he, it or it does seem like he's been around forever as this guy that who's going to break out, but he's I mean, he still is only 26 years old and you'd hate to not pick him the year it finally does happen. Tends to be more of a draft focus, as as you mentioned, Stato. You're talking about him in draft. But, yeah, if we do see that game plan deployed or even if we just see him, I, I'd honestly prefer him to be a defender. Um, but the thing I'd prefer for him to be a defender is if they don't have, unfortunately, guys like a Witherden or something back there to distribute the ball, even as much as I love him as a fantasy player. Like, you'd want him to be the big dog out of defense and be the go-to guy. So, um, I think if you've got either that or if you do think that he can take it to another level in the midfield, you, yeah, go go ahead. Not a bad pick, though, Stato. A bit of a different one. Dare I say a point of difference, a bit of a pod there. Uh, is it down to me now or are we going to – no, Louis. 
we've got you, mate, next. Yeah, I've got Jack Bowes next, uh, guys, who I think is quite mysterious going into this season. So, obviously, uh, previously a top 10 pick for the Suns, uh, made his way over to Geelong. Uh, quite interestingly, this off-season, I'm sure pick seven helped in that regard, but um, from what's come out from the club and Jack Bowes, um, they do plan to use him on a wing and through the midfield and uh, as a real ball user. So whether that transpires, that's one to watch in the preseason, but I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on Jack Bowes, if he can get a nice role uh, can he finally start putting some uh, regular scoring together? Because he has shown it in glimpses across his career. I, I remember start of 2021 season, I think the first six rounds he was in the top three defenders. So he has the scoring ability. So to me, he's a pre-season watch to find out what type of role he's going to have at Geelong. Now, you would assume... Uh, for the choice, less cash, uh, and move to a to a club that has the potential of winning a premiership. Whether that was the angle that got him there, or there was that discussion of what role you'll be uh, um, taking moving forward. So that's the big thing for me: the role. Yeah. So I'm, I'll throw a little bit of stats in here because so Louis, you're assuming that he plays in the midfield. So some of that research we looked at. The other day, like I said, the M1 to M3. So Geelong average 89 for their M1 to M3. So what that says to me is that they have a lot of guys going through there and a lot of guys playing a lot of different roles. So it's a it's definitely definitely a preseason watch to see where it ends up. Um, but Geelong definitely played a, a full squad mentality last year to get them through to a flag with lots of different players playing different roles. So you might not be getting a consistent role each week, which would um, hurt his fantasy scoring a little bit. Yeah, Jack Bowes. It's a tough one. I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I honestly have no feel for the Bowes situation, to be honest. So tough. What's his price point? Uh, just under 70. I think about 67. Um, I worked it out on my spreadsheet to be. And, and what do you think he needs to score to be good enough to be in your starting squad? Oh, given the cattle at this point in the preseason, I'd be happy with. 87, so 20 points upside. I think he's got the potential to do that. He's never really been given the opportunity at the Suns, but he has had stints where he has been given slight opportunity and shown that he does have it. So, um, look, he, he comes in priced really at about what he's done in previous seasons, but keeping in mind the upside, um, yeah, that'll be one to watch, I think. All right, Jack Bowes. Louis' final player there, and I'll round us out with our picks before we get to um, some listener requests with a loose one. Uh, Ed Richards, guys. So, as I'm just doing my fantasy research for the Lux team, you know how you can do that? Um, one thing I quite like to do, especially before the season starts, obviously, is check out those stats that you can do on on the on the stats center in the game and when i i was startled to see that ed richards was one of the top defenders to finish the year with his last five average and, and last three average so came home absolutely firing and i was trying to look into why this was i remember he moved sort of into that half back role and really started to thrive at the end of the year but it was kind of to me i was like 
quite shocked at, at how much kind of upside we could be potentially seeing from from Ed Richards this year. Yeah. Um, so keen for you guys' thoughts on this one. But his end to the season from round 18. Now, granted, the first two were without Caleb Daniel, but then coming after that, the last four were with him side by side. So we had a 90, 106, 108, 90, 88, and 92 to finish the year for Ed Richards, who is another one in that kind of awkward price bracket around the similar price to Bose, I would suggest. Let's have a look at what he is. He's at $648,000, so 73 price tag, but finished the year with a 97 average in his last five. Is this a guy that we could be looking at as one of those kind of mid-price pods to start the year? Stato. I started with him last year. (laughs) <laughs> he was in the mid three hundreds. I was I was expecting this breakout, but I was effectively three three months too early. I priced at seventy four mm. dos for a guy who, in his last six rounds, really only started showing that he's got an ability to score. Uh, I just couldn't start him in my starting squad. Um, but that being said, and whether or not it's true, I'm not sure. Apparently, Caleb Daniel. Is uh, training up the ground this preseason, so that might give him a bit more opportunity. But as in, that like being a said, win, uh, well, centre, I, I suppose. Um, whether that's true, I'm not sure. But even that being said, I think I'd prefer like a Bailey Dale. We'll we'll give you a little bit <sighs> yeah. of a pass, Doss. We'll say it's a preseason watch, but what I will say is, you've got Bailey Dale back there. They've had Caleb Daniel in the past. Adam Trelaw went back there for large parts of the season. They've just got so many ball users coming out of the back line. I think the Bulldogs are going to want them to use multiple different avenues. And for your fantasy scorers to really go well, you need them to be that main distributor out there. And I think they're just going to share it around, mate. Oh, I tell you what, though. You guys will be astounded like I was if you go back and look at his numbers in those games. Over 20 disposals and six marks in every single one of those last five games to finish the year. I'm just flagging it. Dossie's flagging it. They weren't easy opposition either. Talking your Melbournes, your Geelongs, your Frios who possess the ball themselves. Ed Richards, you heard it here first. Dossie's a little bit of a breakout call. All right, let's get to some listener requests, guys. The first one off the ranks that we've got is Nick Dacos, who, guys, he's a popular name. I've brought him up a few weeks ago. Nick Dacos, one of the top 10 popular most picks that they've posted out um, earlier on this season. I didn't think he was going to be that popular, but obviously a huge name in the game defensive option for us this year. Um, who wants to talk a bit about Nick Dacos as an option, Lou? Yeah, sure, mate. Uh, obviously, second-year player. I'm a little bit surprised at his ownership as well, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, uh, in terms of what a first-year player can show you in their first season, I mean, he was phenomenal. And you'd have to think that he's a top candidate to improve again. Uh, without having the numbers in front of me right now, he went at about an was it eighty eight ninety sort of average, guys. Eighty six, I think. Eighty six. So I, I don't see why he couldn't put ten points on top of that, potentially more. Uh, I think he will still have that role uh, across the halfback flank for the Pies. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like him as a pick. Uh, I don't think he has enough meat on the bone for how much you're going to have to pay for him. Um, but he is a guy that uh, you monitor during the preseason that I wouldn't be overly surprised if he could notch up that second-year breakout ton. Yeah, he definitely he ticks every single box 
for upside in terms of elite junior numbers, first year, absolutely sensational, good role in the back line. The, the caveats on that, uh, I'll just throw up a few red flags. So I don't, I don't think he's going to have it as easy as he did in year one. I think teams are going to start to put a lot more attention into him. And, and maybe not a tag, but he'll definitely be a name that goes up on the board as someone that they have to monitor because of how damaging he is. And the fact that Tom Mitchell's come in, it's pretty, well, it's not easy to assume, but you would think that Pendle starts to maybe slide back a little bit. And then that's just another, a ball user that's going to be in the back line. And, and once again, just another distributor. So I think he's got everything in terms of a little bit of upside, but I think Lou is right. There might not be enough meat on the bone um, to pick. But, yeah, he's definitely a popular name that's being thrown around in the preseason. Could I ask you this, Holmesy, on, on the same player, Dacos? Um, do you do you have the thought of mind that he actually maybe goes into the midfield a bit more this year? If Pendles does slide back, that he's, you know, a junior midfielder was his role. He's He's got a big enough body to go in there. We didn't see him do it at all last year. But, um, obviously, the inclusion of Tom Mitchell suggests they're still looking for that bigger body to kind of mix in there at the moment. Yeah, well, then we don't really know how that's going to look, Dossie. So, is he going to have it a little bit harder in the midfield? Is he going to get a little bit more attention in there, not not get as much free ball on the outside? Mate, it's it's just a big watch and see, see how it lines up in the preseason as, as all these picks are. I just don't think it's as easy just to say that he's going to... You know, I've heard some people saying that he's going to knock the ton when um, you know, I think the highest averaging player for Collingwood last year was 94. So... We do know that the system is not as conducive to scoring, but I just I just think you temper your expectations on Dacos just at this point in time and, and just see how it sort of plays out. Holmesy going against the comp by the sounds of things. 38% owned, which shocked me um, at the moment in the early stages of the game, early January. Stato, listeners want to know, Tom Stewart um, and Mitch Duncan, so either or, and can they coexist and both be good scorers and starting picks by the sounds? Oh, absolutely. They both can be. Um, if anyone listens to the draft doctors, we're expecting a, a bit of a slide for, for Tom Stewart, but that's not really uh, any effect by Mitch Duncan. And be mindful, Mitch can play many different roles. So, of course, they can coexist. Um, the, the interesting part, we just talked about it before, about the nursing, so the managing of the Geelong players. They got a premiership by doing so. These two aren't getting any younger. Um, I, I like Mitch a lot in draft because draft you can have him rest for two or three weeks and it doesn't kill you. In salary cap, it does. Um, so the, the reality is... I'm not really looking at either of them in my defence, but mind you, in saying that, there's not too many numbers in my defence right now. The one thing that sort of changed with Tom Stewart last year is he showed that ceiling. So he was always a a guy that only really had a ceiling of 120 and then was generally that sort of flat average guy and that's why he averaged always around that 95. But last year we saw scores of 150 and 160 but then what came along with that was the attention. So we saw some tags towards the end of the year that um, yeah. meant that he had a floor as well. So I think he's one that if you do pick him, you, you pick him at the start of the year, look at his look at his um, his matchups and see if there's any tags and you hope that he gets off to a hot start and then the rest of the comp jumps on with you and by that point you've already got the scores and then they're just matching you. I really like Tom Stewart. I think 
he just seems like he's one of those players that he's going to have a, a season that aligns and he's going to average over 100. It's, there's just always something that goes against him, but he's definitely someone I'm considering at the moment. Just those GMHBA games where they just chip around to yeah. that. If he can have another couple of those 150 games, then it's obviously going to put his average up. He's one of those players because of the home game advantage that they actually have. If you monitor the fixture really closely, if they get a run of, say, four games in in six rounds um, down there in Geelong, that's when he might be a great target. A highly requested player for this segment was Elliot Yo. Uh, Louis, I've got a lot of interest in this guy. I'm a West Coast fan, yes, but having defensive status is an absolute gift. He's been a bloke that has played midfield, gee, I want to say for the last four or five years before being a defensive option for us back in the day. He was a pretty solid defensive option back then. Moved into the midfield, made an absolute killing as a midfielder, premiership player. Now we've got him as a defender again. He averaged 57 points last year from just the five games been struggling with injury only played 60 percent time on ground he's owned by 19 percent of the comp already lou are you as keen as i am on some elliot yo this preseason if of course we see him healthy fit and firing this preseason yeah and that's that's a big if dos but absolutely i am just because um look last time he would have been in my team was when he was a defender and went at that sort of 105 average uh, obviously, that won't be the role that he's going to play in 2023. Uh, the Eagles are definitely going to run some new faces through that midfield or change it up at the very least anyway. Uh, so, I expect Elliot Yo, if he's fit and firing, to be running through there as a mature head. Uh, he's not too old. I think he's only 28, 29. So, uh, in some respects, he's still in his prime if he can stay fit. Um, comes in as a defender, 625k. Um, like I said, opportunity is shown the ability. Um, if he can stay fit, then I think he's another easy pick down back. Yeah, he's in that Aaron Hall mould, not of the role, but if you if he has any mishaps in the preseason, you just put a line through him. What we do know about Elliot Yo is he adds something completely different to that Eagles midfield. He's that tackler. He's that defensive-minded midfielder. So if he's building his scores around tackles and he's playing for that midfield price at 71, yeah, he's he's definitely someone we need to look at because, like you said, he, he can average 98 as a defender, but he's gone 105 as a midfielder in the past. Not saying he's ever going to get back to that 105, but if he can go 95 plus, which he's shown to be able to do comfortably in the past with that role, then he's just someone we lock away if healthy. The, the, the issue bounce. with him is the price point. So the, the reality is for, for what his output has actually been, is probably someone we should have expected or hoped for um, to be a little bit cheaper. So I'm just looking at him, yeah. So he played uh, less than the 10-game limit. So that really hurts. So the discount's on a much higher score. Yeah. He's also at that price point, though, that it's easy to go down to that mid-pricer that has come out firing. True. So that's a one thing. Like think of a, I think Tom Phillips was a little bit more expensive a couple of years back, but very easy to go down if he does get injured. Uh, but yeah, definitely just just watch that preseason. Like I'm just interested in what role they play him as well because Simo has loved in the past. Like I was surprised to see him in the defensive line, and obviously it's a gift for us. But he's been one of the guys that he uh, Simo loves throwing. 
Elliot Yo in there, high, high, high center bounce usage. Like used to be one of the top guys, you know, upwards of eighty-five percent kind of thing. Um, if memory serves, when I was doing those center bounces, he's or he's been like every center bounce just about. So definitely one to watch in our preseason. Now, Kyle, I want to stay with you here for a love, a man you had a bit of a love-hate relationship with last year. If memory serves, uh, Dan Houston has been requested here. A ninety-two average, eight hundred and fifteen k starting price. He averaged one hundred and three in his last three games. Um, he's going to be a pod coming in this year, only the 2% ownership early days. Thoughts on Dan Houston and talk us through some of those frustrations. Yeah, he's he's someone that'll put a 130 score up and then he's someone that'll put a 50 score up. So he's, I think he had a concussion last year, which you can't really, um, you know, you don't, you don't pick a player just because they got a concussion, but a few sort of soft tissue injuries uh, makes it pretty hard to Pretty hard to pick, but what I will say is Carl Amon has left Port Adelaide, so I think that's why people are looking at him. If he becomes that sole winger that they look to get the ball into his hands of, yeah, there might be upside. Um, I'm just wary of those floor scores that he has, um, which tends to put his average down. So at this stage, he's not someone I'm looking to start. It's got nothing to do with last year. I'd, I just, I would find it hard in that Port Adelaide system for him to go, you know, 98, 100, um, just sitting on the wing. I think Port Adelaide might try to maybe switch it up a little bit this year. Their, their game plan's kind of a little bit outdated. They didn't go too well last year, and I think they'll they'll sort of switch things up. Another guy who uh, wants to be talked about, Stacefin, I'll throw this one to you, Hayden Young. Now, I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago in, in one of our podcasts earlier this preseason in 2022. But Hayden Young, 87.6 average. He's actually owned by a fair few people already. Um what do you think on Hayden Young taking that next step up from an 87 averaging guy? And I'm guessing you'd want at least 10 plus points upside here. Yeah, the price points, the issue. Last year's where he was really good value. And as you guys know, and probably told me off that many times because I just wanted a bit of Young. Um, and he had that stretch last year. The, the only thing I'd say. Um, I don't know if he's going to lift his ceiling, but I think he'll lift his floor. Um, so he still had a few games last year in sort of that 60s level. Part of me has got a bit of an issue because they've got Clark, they've got um, Chapman, they've got Young, um, and they all can find the footy. So to me, I think there is going to be this point where they sort of max out and what I mean by that is I don't know with the three of them playing together that we get any of the three actually be a top sixer. Yeah. You look at Adelaide, so everything goes through Jordan Dawson. You look at St Kilda last year, everything went through Sinclair. The Jake Lloyd of old, everything went through him. And I, I think Stato's right. When you've got a lot of ball users in the back line, I think they'll, they'll spread it a bit more and – and that puts a bit of a cap on all of their ceilings. So I think you'll find he improves again, and maybe he can push into the 90s, but I, yeah, I'm not sure he's going to get enough of the ball by himself to, to really push the top six. We've got an interesting player to talk about as well, requested. Loving these suggestions coming through. Hit us up on our Twitter, PodPodAFL. Um Hunter Clark, $604,000. He's always talked about as the perennial breakout contender, has not hit it yet. Still only, I believe, 24, 23 or 24 years old. Louis, what do you reckon on Hunter Clark? Are we ever going to see this breakout and could this be the year under a new coach with uh, Ross Lyon coming into the Saints? 
It's a little bit of a forgotten name. I think it would take a pretty brave coach to start somebody like Hunter Clark. Uh, like you said, he's he's 24. Uh, he's shown glimpses, but hasn't shown a whole lot. And we're looking at a team who's got a brand new coach and presumably will have a brand new system. So like we say with all of these players, he's another one to watch in the preseason. But I think at that 600k mark, I'd still rather have a dabble at a Salem, a Yo even a Jack Bowes before I start looking at a Hunter Clark. But um, there are reasons why he hasn't put it together too. He's had a couple of unlucky injuries. I know he fractured his jaw quite badly. And then there was another another strange injury in there um, the year before maybe, uh, if memory serves me correctly. So Hunter Clark, oh, I'm pretty lukewarm on. He's probably more of a, a draft guy you might be able to get a steal on. He's another one of these players that is actually priced over his average from last year um, because his average two years ago was much higher. So if if his price point was in the mid-50s, I think he's worth a punt. But seeing it's actually closer to 70, um, certainly got a bit of a, a, an issue because his game's history is 15, 14, 16, 13, 8. Yeah. It's a tough one. Let's just hope Ross brings the best out of him, but he might be more of that guy that you look to upgrade to. And maybe that guy that Holmes is talking about, if one of your one of your other mid-prices fails, you can jump across to if he does pop, but there sounds like there's a lot of risks coming into starting the season, at least with Hunter Clark at this point. Uh, Holmesy, though, we'll throw to you for another Port Adelaide player. A bit of a this one threw me through a little bit of a loop. I wasn't expecting this to be a suggestion, but he has gone through a few hot patches in the past. More of a draft guy, but Riley Bonner, could you even consider starting him at 639k? Yeah, look, he's he's not someone that I typically look to to start in my squad. So priced at 68, um, you'd need him to go, you know, push up towards that 90 mark. And I'm just looking at his averages here. So uh, 2016 when he came into the comp, 79, 74, 60, 67, 68, 67. So those type of players, you you got to try and figure out why they've they've never really taken the jump. And there's a lot of data to suggest now that that's just what he is. There's always that one. So Sinclair just popped out of nowhere last year, but I'd much rather jump on that if it does happen in the season than try to predict it from the, the get-go out of nowhere. All right, and this last player on the the main suggestions here, Isaac Cumming. Uh, Louis, do you want to take us through? I mean, there's going to be a few changes at GWS as well. They're one that I'm keenly eager to watch how it all goes, mostly in that midfield department. But could Isaac Cumming be an option down back uh, at his price tag of $802,000, averaging 90.6 last year? Look, I really rate Isaac Cumming. Uh, he's one of those guys that has um, pretty much the lion's share of the kick-ins as well. Uh, he is a player that uh, at some point I can see being a top six defender. I just find it difficult to read him going into this year. So obviously a new coach at GWS, uh, what sort of game style is it? Uh, are there going to be more distributors down back? Where does Himmelberg play? Where does Whitfield play? There's just a lot of moving pieces there. There's also a world where Isaac Cumming could still have that lion's share of the kick-ins but also be the main ball user down back with a lot of chip mark and become a 100 guy. So for me, uh, as I've said with pretty much all these players, a watch list, 
but priced at 90, I don't think there's going to be enough meat on the bone to actually um, warrant starting him over some of these other options that we've got. But uh, he's always a pretty good steal in draft, I've noticed. All right, I'm going to kick off a new quick fire segment, lads. And it's going to be called, it's, it's going to be about whether a player, the next players that we're going to have to rush through quickly are going to be a player that maybe if you pick them, it might be a bit of a looser call, but potentially a Hilux winning pick, or if they're just no good. Will they win you the Hilux, or do they just suck? Are they more like Dorsey, or just like Seattle, like Seattle? This segment is called Lux or Sucks, boys. I want to hear a Lux or a Sucks from you when I throw it to you. Look, it's a tough, it's a harsh call, but could this be a Hilux winning pick or do these guys just suck and we shouldn't be talking about them? I'm going to go through a bunch of names here that were the leftover picks from our listeners' suggestions. Connor McKenna, Stato. Uh, what's his price point? 39. Stato, this is a quick fire segment. Ooh, 373K. Uh, Lux. Oh. All right. Uh, it's not, next player. but it's beside the point. It's cheap enough, and we've got a shit defence. If he's playing half-back flank, it's Lux territory. Jordan Clark, 722K for the Dockers. Uh, Louis? Ah, uh, sucks. Like you said, there's a lot of distributors down there. Zach Williams, uh, another player who's we've picked a few years in a row. 614K. Kyle? Uh, sucks. What I will say, though, just quickly, have a look at what that does to Sam Doherty because he was out for large periods of the year and they like going through Zach Williams, but no, nah, not priced low enough. Uh, he's going to be a midfielder. Oh, okay. <laughs> 537K is Will Day. Stato, Lux or Sucks? Uh, has to be Sucks. The body says he sucks. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, Jack Scrimshaw, 641K also for the Hawks, Louis. Sucks. Josh Goda for North Melbourne. We had the request come in. I think he only played the one game last year, um, got the 82 points, and now priced at 537K. Holmesy. Yeah, unfortunately, that prices him out of it for us. If he had have not played that game and been basement, we'd been all over it. But, yep. Louis? Might want to handball that over to Stato. That sounds like a super coach question there, Doss. Lux <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> or sucks for the Zote, Zach Guthrie. I'm not going to hear anything but Lux on this one. So I'm just going to say Lux and move on. No, let's get someone else's opinion. Stato, Zach Guthrie. I want to stay on the pod. So uh, Lux. Good man, good man. Uh, and then finally, last but not least, somebody in the in the chat in the Twitter sphere has mentioned that Brad Hill did win the three K time trial. Uh, do we consider picking him, Holmesy? Six hundred sixty three K. Is that a lux or a sucks pick? Uh, priced at around seventy five off the top of my head. Don't quote me there. Not enough upside. Not enough scoring potential. Tag risk. Uh, nah, sucks. All right. 
that'll get through the Defender pod for the day. Now, just to wrap up, lads, we are we are coming up to the hour point and we're, we're about to wrap up, but we just want to let everyone know that we'll be running a listener league this year. It's a very, very exclusive listener league and we're going to be doing it in a special way. There's going to be 20 spots available for this league. It's going to be your classic head-to-head one, but we're going to be doing it a little bit differently. You guys are going to be representing us, the four hosts here. We're going to be representing your boys here. There's going to be five for each of us, five players, and we'll be drafting you guys to represent us. The way this is going to happen, you're going to have to leave your rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Now, I don't care how you do this. You might have to just go down to the Apple store. If you don't have the Apple, you've got the the Android phone, you go down to the Apple store, use one of their their uh, store phones and you leave us that rating and review. Give us the five stars. And in the review, we want you to make your pitch in that review section as to why you want to represent a specific host. Do you want Stato? Do you really want to represent the man that hasn't come inside whatever he's coming Five like times. 10K. Five times. In the last one. Get behind it. Five do times. Do you want to represent Holmesy, as a man who's come runner-up overall but hasn't quite got that lux? Or do you want to represent Louis? I mean, Louis does it all, but do you really want to be representing the great man? I don't know. I think you want to be re- representing DOS, boys. But um, any of the four, Holmesy, you've got your hand up, mate. You're just desperate to make a pitch for your own, your own listener to join your ranks? No, nah, I'm just going to point out any person that's looking to represent Stato, there is that little bit of a barrier to entry. Are they going to be able to use the technology to do the review on Apple? Or? <laughs> it's, it's, a great, it's a great point. Um, but look, the way that we're going to do this as well, once you've made your pitch, you, want, you have to choose who you, want to, who you want to be representing. Leave us your little pitch as to why you want to represent that specific person. Then we're going to do a draft before the season. And regardless of who you've pitched to, we're going to be able to draft you. We might even snake each other's picks. If somebody's, you know, done a great pitch to Holmesy, I might decide, look, this guy looks like he's going to he's going to win me that uh, that league. I might want to draft him. So it's going to be a bit of fun. Um, before we leave, though, I might get – turn it on the hosts here and give it a bit of a pitch yourselves as to why you want the listeners to be rooting for you and why you want them in your squad. Holmesy, throw it to you, mate. Look. I'm not going to sell myself. My uh, my rankings speak for themselves. What I will say, though, Dossie, does anyone really want to pick you when you're putting up names like Ed Richards in the preseason? Do you really want someone that's going to finish <laughs> outside the top 10K? I'm not too sure, but, yep. Come to come to the heroes, mate. We'll have you. We'll have you. Stato. Yeah, well, Stato's got the record. Uh, Stato's got consistency. Stato can go back-to-back, uh, unlike the rest of them. Uh, I'm here for you. Uh, I need your support to rally back and bring back the legend. Louis. Yeah, these other guys suck, so uh, just pick me. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. Um, I think my record speaks for itself. People know that I am the Lux winner coming up this year. So, look, if you want to be great, be Dossie. One time top 10K finisher Dossie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did that all go right, in the bio <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all next week we'll continue these positions uh, we'll do forwards next week let's mix it up see you then bye bye